You know those moments where you think, I wish I would have learned this in school? Those are the topics that we love to talk about. Join me each week as I interview experts sharing their strategies for solving problems that us young adults will face throughout our 20s and 30s. So what are you waiting for? And if you want new episodes about adulting advice every Monday, hit that follow button. Do you ever feel like you're living in Groundhog Day, where the events yesterday feel like today, and you're probably gonna have those same feelings tomorrow? The weeks are moving fast, yet you don't feel like much is changing. If this is the case, you might be in a rut. And if I'm being honest, I'm coming out of a period of life where I feel like I've been in a rut. I've had my head down, hard at work. I'm really satisfied with most elements of my life right now, but I have this underlying feeling of unease. I don't need to blow anything up, but I am looking for some change. Luckily, Les Alfred came into my life at the right time. This conversation gave me some ideas for embracing more spontaneity, mixing up routines, and busting out of my rut. Implementing her practical advice has me feeling like I'm headed in the right direction now. Les is the creator and host behind the wildly popular podcast, Balanced Black Girl, where she covers various aspects of wellness with approachability and care. I'll be honest, I became a bit of a super fan after binging her show in preparation for this conversation, and one of my favorite series she did was all about leveling up. The first half of this conversation, we talk about the practical tips for busting out of a rut, but as we enter the second half of the episode, we talk about so many implementable concepts like time audits, your confidence account, and creating a brag file. I think all three of these concepts will level up your career, so I think you should stick around until the end. Speaking of that, hit the follow button on your podcast player right now. We are finishing up the Managing the Things at Work series next week with an episode about conquering your to-do list, and we are going to follow that up with a series on creative ways to expand your network. And I'm gonna be honest, guys, I'm having so much fun creating this series. I just interviewed a friend for the show, all about hosting a cocktail party. And honestly, there's so many good ideas that are coming out of it. I'm so excited to share. So if that sounds like content that you need right now, hit the follow button so you don't miss out. I hope you enjoy my conversation with the Leo, the Yogi, and the creator of Balanced Black Girl, Les Alfred. Les, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. You are the creator and host of Balanced Black Girl, this top charting podcast covering both physical, mental, spiritual, and social wellness. And you even mentioned it, and I really love your approachability and kind of like, like caring style that you speak to people to. With the name Balanced in the title of the podcast, I'm sure you get asked about this word all of the time, what that means for you. How do you balance your life? How has your view and definition of balance changed as you've lived through your 20s and now are in your 30s? Yeah. So I started talking about balance and creating content around balanced back in 2014. I actually started like a fitness wellness blog and had the name balanced in it. So I eventually kind of kept that word when I pivoted to balanced black girl. And when I first started, I think I was about 24 and I didn't have the best relationship with fitness. I didn't have the best relationship with food. I didn't have the best relationship with my body. Unfortunately, like I think a lot of people can experience you can get into wellness and then you go a little too deep and you do a little too much or you you get a little too into the workouts or you start worrying a little too much about, you know, the ingredients of things. And so when I was thinking about balance, I was like, okay, how can I balance this desire to focus on my health while also maintaining a bit of fun and not feeling so obsessive? And so that was my initial kind of intention around balance was finding balance with fitness and finding balance with what I ate. And as my 20s progressed, they just got increasingly more chaotic, which I think a lot of people can relate to. By the time my mid to late 20s came around, I was just like, what am I doing with my life? What is going on? 
And I started finding this need to find balance in other areas, find balance in my relationships and in my career when I realized like I'm going down a career path that just is not feeling good. My mental health is not great. So how can I tend to that? And I just started realizing how important it is to really tend to the other elements of wellness outside of just what's going on physically. Mm. Which are, what areas of focus did you, you feel like you needed that needed the most attention then? At that time, I would say mental for sure, emotional, and then social. Also finding Mm -hmm. balance in my relationships, something that was really hard in my 20s. And I think a lot of people in their 20s experience, it's like you go through changes. Maybe you've had the same friends since high school or since college, and then people's lives start changing. You all kind of start going different directions and how do you maintain those friendships? Does it make sense to maintain those friendships? Do you want to make new friends with people who you maybe have more in common with now? And how do you navigate that? So that was a really big theme for me, especially in my late 20s. I find that as the most challenging component of my life right now, to be honest. I feel like I, not dialed in, but like I can put a lot of focus and energy and effort into the work and the physical side and my health mm-hmm. and all of that. But the social is just, it's challenging. It's tough to continue to invest energy in there. You're like losing friends faster than you can like replace. And some intentionally, some unintentionally Mm -hmm. as somebody that also moved out of her hometown down to LA, like I've moved to San Diego and now Austin out of my hometown too. And it's like forced myself to reset friends. And of course, like I've held some friends from afar and those relationships are amazing too. And I can give a handful of people a call and we can chat for an hour. But I think there's something to like physically hanging out with people and getting that interaction and, and whatnot. I don't know. I I still find that as, as one of the hardest things I'm still trying to, to solve for right now. It is. I really appreciate what you said about how the other areas of your life are a little bit more dialed in because I think those other areas are a little easier to control. Nothing's fully within our control, but some things are easier to control. Like with your health, If you make the time to exercise a certain number of days a week, that's going to help you. Or with work, if you're able to put in a certain amount of focus, that's going to help you. With relationships and that social element, your actions don't control the outcome. Other people's actions play a really big role. And so trying to manage that is really, really tricky because we can't control what other people do or where other people are in their lives or how they respond or if they can show up. And so it's, I think, something that we just continuously learn about. I I know in the like optimizer productivity in me also is like, you know what, I'm going to make sure I check my box for like one social event every weekday and one (laughs) social event every weekend. And I I try to do it that way, or at least like have a pulse check that way. It, It feels mechanical, but at least it's like holding me somewhat accountable, but you're right. It's like, I'm on my Thursday and then someone bails on me 30 minutes before we were supposed to hang out. And then I'm feeling defeated. And it's like right. this bad cycle sometimes that I don't know. And I'm, I'm, I guess it's still trying to solve. Totally. Yeah. And it, there's so much squishiness and fluidity. And I think we're really similar. I like being very kind of, I don't know if regimented is the right word, but precise with where I put my focus. And and sometimes it's just squishy. And that is really hard for those of us who like to be more precise. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you you taught me a lot about astrology through researching you too. I don't know if I've quite heard any of my guests talk quite in depth about astrology. And I, I think you're a Leo. And I was talking to someone about this today too, has something to do with lion. And then there's some connection to the moon. I still have some in-depth research to do on astrology, but this whole groundedness to you and and how that sometimes I think gets in the way of, you know, some of the, I don't know, spontaneity and serendipity mm-hmm. of life. <laughs> like, oh, like yeah. I would, I'm like you, I'm like, I would like to know what I'm doing at every point in my day and kind of pre-plan that out. I had a roommate that I really admired though. Cause she was just like, I don't know. I'm just going to like bring three bags out today because I don't know if I'm going to go rock climb or I might go grab drinks with the girls or I might stay at the studio late. So she just like kind of carried everything with her and just lived her life like that. And honestly, it was like, all over the place because she'd like come home at 7 p.m. And then she would like come home at like one o'clock in the morning. And she was cool with that. Like she always just like embraced the serendipity of the next hour of her life. And I was like, girl, I can't do that. Like you, right. you're so impressive for that reason. But she's also like, I can't imagine like living off the same to-do list every <laughs> single day. And like, 
I would make it a day three and be like, all right, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> I admire those people too. Those people who can just go with the flow so well. I align more with that TikTok sound where it's like, what time does the flow start? I can go with the flow if I plan it. Yes. <laughs> I yes. put flow time in my calendar to flow, but we're not just flowing willy-nilly. <laughs> I also really appreciate the fact that you have as you've entered your 30s, given up a little bit of that control. That gives me hope that I might be getting that direction at some point in time. Yeah. Is that still true? Do you oh, feel yeah. like you're not as type A and or controlling of both your your schedule and structure, but also just your life? For sure. I mean, I'm definitely still a work in progress and I'm continuing to learn. But I think one of my biggest lessons as I get older is realizing how much is not within my control. I think the older I get, the more relaxed I'm getting. I'm still far from relaxed. Like I still, I, what you just shared about your old roommate, I'm like, I aspire to be that, like go with the flow. Not there yet, but I'm, I'm learning to loosen my grip a little. And there is a bit of balance to it too. If I just like allowed myself to be willy nilly with all of my life, I would not waste a lot of time, but also like do a lot of directionalist use of my time too. And, and as someone that is a creator, a business owner, and has a nine to five, you have to somewhat control your time because there's only so much. I mean, the one thing I wish I had more of right now is just like, I wish I didn't have to sleep so I could get those eight hours back in my day so I could do some of the other things that are really on my, my wish list, but not on my, I need to do list. Yep. Exactly. That's where that like revenge bedtime procrastination comes in, where it's like, we don't want to go to bed because it's finally our time to just do the fun stuff or do the things that we want to do or just relax. It's a trap I fall into every once in a while. <laughs> so you are the host of The Balanced Black Girl. I fell in love with your podcast. I've been actually working the newest episode backwards. And I think I told you before we pressed record here too. I think I'm somewhere around January, which mm -hmm. I just hit your sober curiosity episode, which mm -hmm. really fascinated me as somebody that is kind of teetering on that line. Do you call it like sober damp or something? You you drink like four to five times a year. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. A lot of people call that being damp or there's also like the California yeah. sober. Well, I guess California sober is a little different. It's kind of a separate thing. I don't know if I really fall in that category, but I personally, you know, might drink like once or twice a year. Well, the series that really lit me up was your leveling up series, which is all about getting unstuck, motivating yourself out of a rut and busting through plateaus. Mm -hmm. If anybody's looking back for those episodes right now, it was your April 2023 series. Yes. Highly recommend just starting from the first one and binging all the way forward. I want to spend the bulk of our conversation really grabbing a couple of the things that you talked there and, and using those as launching points to further conversation. So I'd love to start with getting unstuck. And I was really surprised to hear that you are someone that feels like you're in a rut right now. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you are about to completely <laughs> test that that theory or that feeling with mm -hmm. what you have planned over the next few months. But is that still the case? Do you still feel like you're in a rut? That's a good question. You know, I think working on that series has really helped me move through the mental rut that I was in before I did the series. And a lot of the series that I do on my podcast are just that. It's me realizing, okay, I need help with something. So I'm going to create what it is I need and share it. And maybe other people need help with it too. And as I was working on those episodes, I do think it mentally helped me kind of bust through some of the ruts that I was in. And then just with my plans for later in the year, I think that's going to help me physically move through some things because I'm just completely uprooting myself and going on a little adventure. But yeah, I'm still still working through it for sure. And you define being stuck as being in between your favorite version of yourself and where you're at now. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there is a specific bridge that you need to cross to get closer to your favorite self? Yeah, I think it's all about being willing to do things differently. You know, I feel like being in a rut feels like you're wearing clothes that maybe don't fit your style anymore. Maybe they physically fit, but you no longer feel like yourself in them. You no longer feel like yourself in your routines or in mm -hmm. what you're doing day to day. And I think the best way to get through that is to just start making changes. Like no change is too small. Start doing things differently until you get to something that, that feels like it suits you more. Yeah, let's let's rip the band-aid off of that conversation and, mm -hmm. and kind of move into routines. As we were kind of gearing up this conversation, we were talking about how 
we are so routine and structured yeah. with both of our lives. Mm-hmm. And I really resonated whenever you were mentioning that sometimes your routines are the things that are holding you back and your habits can get you into this monotonous cycle. And you feel, I think you use the uh, squid word from <laughs> Squidville analogy, which yes. like immediately resonated with me. This is when <laughs> Squidward moves out of wherever he's at. I remember this episode so clearly and mm-hmm. moves to Squidville, which the houses all look like his house and everybody yep. likes to play the clarinet and go for the bike rides and all of that thing. And then after like three days, he missed the chaos of yeah. Patrick and SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. And he just started creating chaos and, and Squidville <laughs> before he eventually got booted out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so yeah, what what are a couple of small things, especially for the people that are the ones that love control and love to build the routine and to follow that checklist? What are some small deviations they can apply to their own routines that might inch them that direction or make some change for them? Ooh, I love this question. I also am so glad that the Squidville analogy resonated with you. Because I had been going through my daily and morning routine for so long. And I just, my facial expressions probably looked exactly like Squidward's when his eyes were red and he was just so bored. And that was when that came to me. And I was like, I'm going to put this in the podcast and we'll see how people feel about it. And so hearing that it resonated just makes me really excited. (laughs) But I think for me, what's been really helpful is it's not like all the things that I'm was previously doing in my routine, I just can't do anymore, but doing them a little bit differently, doing them in a different order. So something that I've been experimenting with is my morning routine. And I still have the same elements in my morning routine where, you know, I work out and I meditate and I work on my podcast normally in the morning before my nine to five. That's my real work time. But I've switched up the order of how I do those a little bit, or I had a meditation corner in my bedroom and I would wake up and I would immediately go to my meditation corner and I would, you know, do my guided meditation. Well, I move my meditation corner out into the living room so that it's in a different setting and so that I'm just moving a little bit differently in the morning. And then I'm doing work a little bit earlier and going to the gym a little bit later just to be stimulated in different ways. And it has made some pretty big differences because now it's like I'm using my brain a little bit differently. I'm getting a little bit of work done a little earlier when I'm actually a little bit more creative and doing my workout a little bit later in the morning when I'm more awake, I'm actually getting better workouts in and I'm a little bit more social because there's more people at the gym at 7 a.m. than there are at 5 a.m. And that's Mm. actually been really good for me to have that social interaction, especially after the past few years with the pandemic. I think we're all still kind of refilling our, our social tank a little bit. So it's about looking at the things that you still need to do, but doing them in a slightly different way just to start challenging your brain a little bit and to just start making yourself slightly uncomfortable, not in a way that feels like dangerous or threatening or like something's going to happen, but so that you kind of have to force yourself to find a new center and be a little bit agile and readjust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely challenged me on that or or maybe inspired me on that. I am somebody that takes relatively the same running path every single morning. Mm-hmm. I, I usually go for a two-mile run in the morning And after listening to that series this weekend, I'm like, I'm going to try to go right versus left and just see what's over here. And it's been a whole lot of fun. I've like seen new houses and new parts of, of the area that I live in just because I was like, you know what? But the great thing I love about it is I'm getting the same output. Mm -hmm. Like I still am getting my two miles done, but it feels more stimulating to an extent. It's like, you know, moving from right hand to left hand when you're brushing your Mm -hmm. teeth. It's like just that small little challenge or difference is like, Oh, okay, cool. But it also doesn't scare my my type A self because I'm like, I'm <laughs> still checking through my to-do list. Exactly. That's exactly the sweet spot that you want to find. It's like you you still have those same responsibilities, but how can you do them in a slightly different way? And then there's also the option to completely reimagine your life or to like go look for a scary goal that's out there and like put that in front of you. I talk pretty frequently about my ultra marathon that I did a year and a half ago at this point in time too. And just like putting that into my life and completely changing so many of the things that I needed to prioritize was a whole lot of fun. It seemed like you did that as well with your 25 by 25, which Mm -hmm. I love that. It's like this great (laughs) catchy tagline to it as well, where you listed out 25 things and it makes me so sad that you lost your your notebook. (laughs) So sad. Uh, so you lost, your, you lost your notebook. So you couldn't recall all 25 things that were on your list, but mm-hmm. some of those things were like 
buying a new car, moving to LA, traveling abroad for the first time, spending a year without a boyfriend. But the one that I really loved that you talked about was your half marathon, Mm -hmm. not because I'm a, a runner and that I'm really stoked that you got into running, but it kind of led you to a different life. And I know you credit it for something aside from actually just like, you know, turning you into some marathon runner. Yeah. Yeah. So I just giving a little bit of context for the audience when the the struggle is real, no pun intended. The struggle was very real right after I turned 24 because I was just all over the place. I had just broken up with a boyfriend and my job was just kind of a mess. And I was also feeling a little squidville at that time. And I was just turned 24 and I felt really sad. And I was like, you know what? When I turn 25, I don't want to feel like this anymore. What are some things that I can do that can kind of energize this upcoming year that I have? And so that was when I made the list of 25 things that I wanted to do by the time I was 25. And one of those things was I wanted to run a half marathon and get a better time. I'd I'd run a half marathon, I think the year before that, but I wanted to run another one and I wanted to beat my time from my first half marathon. And part of my half marathon training plan was doing yoga, I think twice a week. And I had done yoga before. I had done a little bit of yoga in high school and a little bit of yoga in college and kind of forgot about it. And when I was doing the yoga classes as part of this half marathon training, I ended up joining a studio and really falling in love with yoga. And it ended up being a really beautiful healing experience for me that kind of introduced me to the quote unquote wellness space and wellness content space that I now occupy space in and has just been a really big part of my life ever since, even though I'm not really a runner anymore. That half marathon that I did back (laughs) then was my last one. Maybe not my last one ever, but has been my last one since then. I haven't done one since, but my yoga practice has continued to be such a big part of my life and it's inspired so much of my work. And I do think that the greater purpose of me running that half marathon was to be reintroduced to yoga and to start feeling comfortable in yoga studios. And at the time I was still living in Seattle where I was from and the yoga studios up there were like not very diverse. I mean, Seattle's not known for being a very diverse place. And I did feel really uncomfortable. I would often walk in and I would be the only black person in the yoga studio, but I didn't want that to interfere with my practice. And I learned how to get comfortable in those spaces. And then it made me want to bring more of my friends and more people like me into that space, which ultimately inspired creating Balanced Black Girl. And so sometimes the goals that we set, you know, achieving that goal isn't necessarily the end all be all. Sometimes achieving that goal can kind of lead you down a side street that can be really beautiful. And that's what that half marathon did for me. Yeah. And it sounds like that side street, like turned into a highway, which turned into an interstate. Cause like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like who would have thought you would have created such an amazing show and a sense of community around this kind of one of 25 things mm-hmm. that were on your list. And it's so funny, you know, putting some purpose and sense to like the path after you like get to look back and reflect on it and be like, holy cow, if I didn't do that, right. I wouldn't have done that, mm-hmm. which wouldn't have led me here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love that. <laughs> yeah. And what's wild is that I had completely forgotten about my 25 by 25. All of these experiences after I turned 25, I think I got about half the list done. And I certainly felt mentally a lot better when I turned 25. And then life started life. And honestly, I forgot all about that list and all about all that stuff. And then a couple months ago, it just like the memory just came back of like, hey, remember when you did that, that thing like 10 years ago? And I was like, oh, yeah, I wasn't really creating content back then, but I should tell people about that now because maybe that'll help somebody. And Mm. it has been the most popular episode I've done this year. My audience really took to it. And I have had so many people tell me that they've started making their lists and Just today, someone messaged me saying that she made her 25 by 25 lists and part of it was like relaunching her podcast, which she relaunched today. And it's just been so amazing. And that's the beautiful part about sharing our stories is that we inspire other people to want to share theirs. Anything that you can remember that's left on that list that you're like, I really want to get to that? There were a few things that I have done since that took me way longer. So at the time I was still living in Seattle, I really wanted to move to L.A., I made the list in 2013 and I did end up moving to LA, but I moved to LA in 2019. So that took a bit longer. I also had this like 
just awful corporate job that I hated. And so I had it on the list to leave that corporate job. I think I ended up leaving that job in like 2016. So it took a little longer to move on to something else. I wanted to pay my student loans off, which took way longer. I mean, that was like a pie (laughs) in the sky goal to have just paid them all off in one year with the salary I had in 24. It wasn't going to happen, but I think I was just speaking it into existence. And so I finally did that like last year. So there were things on the list that I'm really proud that I have done, but it it took, you know, five years, not <laughs> not one year. And that's okay. Yeah. That is totally okay. Congrats on the student loans. Thank have you, you always been into personal finance or was there a period in your life when you really heavily invested into it and kind of sorted things out? So I've always been a bit of a saver and I've always erred more on the side of being frugal just by nature. I think I also, I, I grew up around a lot of adults who were not. And I saw how that didn't work out very well (laughs) for them in a lot of circumstances. And so I, from a young age, really instilled the importance of saving in myself. So I've always been a bit of a saver, but it wasn't until a couple of years ago where I was like, there's still a lot of things about finance that I don't understand. And yes, I know how to save, but what else don't I know how to do? And so I started getting more into personal finance content probably about two or three years ago. And it's been really, really helpful. That's cool. Are you like investing on your own now and Mm -hmm. doing the budgets and all those things? Yep. All of that fun stuff. Yes. (laughs) How about being a business owner? Was that a challenging path or did you feel like it came somewhat natural to you? You know, it did. I wouldn't say that I was very entrepreneurial when I was younger, but I think a lot of that was just my own wanting to keep myself small and putting a lot of layers of protection around myself, especially early in my career and feeling so focused on safety because I had been so financially insecure for a really long time. And so I just was purely focused on safety. Anything that felt unsafe, it was like, wouldn't even let the thought enter my brain. And as I got a little bit older and started opening up a little more, I was like, I'm actually a very entrepreneurial person if I allow myself to be. And so leaning into business and having my own business has actually felt, I don't know if natural is the right word, but it has felt really aligned for me once I let myself mentally go there. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I have like a very similar path as well. We started a business last year Mm -hmm. and I think it was always in the back of my head too, Mm -hmm. but like you, always kind of lean towards safety and just Mm -hmm predictability to an extent, like nine to five and a biweekly paycheck is way more predictable than launching your own business and Mm -hmm. doing all the business development and all of the things that are involved with like owning your own business. But then I also realized I can do both. Like (laughs) this can be a transition period for me. This can be a stepping stone. This can be something that I'm dabbling in. And then I come back out of, like I'm allowing myself to like be present in the moment and really enjoy this first year in business because I'm not going to get it back. Like I I know you talked about on one podcast conversation, your first year creating Balanced Black Girl and Mm -hmm. wishing that you could almost go back there too and experience some of those same woes and the ups and downs and the roller coaster of that. That was like a good gentle reminder for me that also be somewhat present and engaged in this first year, even though it's like, craziness. It's like writing your first contract and Mm -hmm. figuring out a payment processor and letting go of your first client or being Mm -hmm. fired for the first time. It's like Mm -hmm. all of these things that feel like just crazy hills to climb. And you're like, oh man. But at the end of the day, it's kind of fun. And I still have this nine to five. That's like really keeping stability in my life as well. Oh, absolutely. I actually think the the nine to five and small business combo is incredible to do if people can swing it because you get to learn so much about yourself and about working with other people and what you want and what you don't want. And if you can do that with the safety of knowing that your bills are still going to get paid, I think you get so much more creative and experimental because you know, okay, if something doesn't work out this month, I can still pay my rent and what can I try next? Mm. And I think putting the pressure to have that be what helps you survive can sometimes take the fun out of it. Now, full-time entrepreneurship is great, and I would love to eventually be there when it feels right. But I think the the nine to five and side biz combo is is really fun as well. 
how do you manage that with your nine to five? Do you have a conversation with your manager and you kind of have expectations set? Are you doing business off hours? What does that kind of look like in, in Les's world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my job is aware of the kind of content and stuff that I do on the side. And I do work on it on off hours and using, you know, my own computer. Usually my mornings, I will have about a two hour block in the mornings. I wake up pretty early. So I usually have a two hour block in the mornings that is balanced black girl time. So those are my balanced black girl working hours in the mornings before work. I'm also really fortunate. I work in content marketing. And so a lot of what I do, it's very similar skill sets. At work, I write a lot of content and I speak on some of our company's podcasts. And so I do very similar work, just talking about different things. So that's also nice because I'm using kind of the same skills and it's really transferable between the two. But yeah, I'm a big systems person. I love automation. So with my podcast, I have a lot of automations in place that help me save a lot of time and just get really creative with my nights and my mornings and my weekends. (laughs) That's cool. So let's dive into that a little bit deeper too, as a Mm -hmm. systems lover, productivity person, Mm -hmm. all the things. You have to really manage your time pretty well. And I'm guessing you're someone that's done a time audit before as well. So when's the last time you did a time audit? What did you learn from it? And did you make any changes from after the the audit was done? Yeah, the last time I did a time audit was, I want to say a couple months ago, maybe in March when I was working on the leveling up series, because I had been in such a rut, I was like, okay, let me look at how I'm spending my time. And some of the changes actually allowed me to give myself a little bit more flexibility. I almost was a little bit too regimented, which is funny. You'd think that a time audit would have you kind of do the opposite and get more dialed in. And I realized I was almost a little too dialed in and it was Mm. driving me a little bit crazy. (laughs) And so I actually worked my schedule to allow a little bit more time for creativity and fluidity and hobbies just to kind of enrich my overall experience. And then I also learned how to build a little bit more time into my schedule because I realized some of the things that I was doing, I was very rushed and I was making some mistakes and I made Mm -hmm. some mistakes that were just costing me time, mistakes that were costing me money. So I started looking at, okay, how can I give myself a little bit more time to do these things? Or how can I build in ways for me to dot my I's and cross my T's a little bit more? Some of that involved just not doing some things. There's some things now that just aren't going to happen. Some things now that I'm starting to delegate more. And then also just working through some of the squishiness with my own, (laughs) with my schedule. (laughs) I love this word squishiness that keeps Mm -hmm. coming up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because that's just Uh, how it feels. Like, Yeah. I want to get back to the flexibility and ask kind of how you change things around, especially what your weekends look like. But first, can we talk mechanically around time audit? What mm-hmm. what did that look like? Did you was it a couple of days that you audited? Did you write down on a piece of paper? Did you use a spreadsheet? What what did it look like to actually conduct a time audit? Yeah. So I have a paper I'm a paper planner person. So I have a paper planner that on one side has, you know, my schedule and on the other side has my to-do list. And so What I would do is I would map out what I want my schedule to be. And then throughout the day, if what I was doing or what I was focusing on kind of deviated from that schedule that I set for myself, I would make note of it of just, okay, I intended to work on this from 10 to 12 and here's what I did instead, or I intended to do this and here's what I did instead, or I scheduled an hour to do this, but I kept getting distracted and it took me an hour and a half. And so I just kind of journaled about those things to start making observations to understand the difference between how I wanted to spend my time and how I was actually spending my time. So I look, I took a little bit more of an intuitive approach to it this time around. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then getting back to flexibility, how did you add more flexibility into your day-to-day routine? And I'm actually really curious too to know what your weekends look like. Yeah. I started giving myself more time to do things. I would jam-pack my schedule with being like, I will do this in 30 minutes and this in one hour and this in 15 minutes. And I realized that I was not giving myself enough time to actually do the things that I needed to do. And so a lot of it for me 
was setting more realistic deadlines for myself, going back to people that I was working with if I needed more time for things and saying no to things a little bit more, which is so hard to Mm -hmm. give myself just more space to actually do the things that I set out to do and to do them right and to do them right the first time. Because that is the number one thing that saves us time is to have focus to do things correctly the first time. If we're distracted and we mess something up and we have to go back and we do something wrong, nothing wastes more time than that. And so for me, taking more time to do things correctly has actually been really, really helpful. Anything that hit the cutting block, it sounds like you eliminated some things and just realized they weren't worth it. And to buy you some time, I'll give you something that I found for my last time audit as well. I was Mm -hmm. like you just feeling rushed throughout the whole day to complete the 28 item to-do list that I always like set for myself. Mm -hmm. And I just had to realistically eliminate a few things. Mm -hmm. And the sad part was almost all of my list is like things that I really enjoy or good things. And I just had to come to the realization that you have to say no to some good in order to say yes to some great. So there were some ongoing things or obligations or projects that I just couldn't do at the time. But one habit I actually let go, at least out of my daily routine, was reading. Mm -hmm. I was actually like organically reading a good amount already if I had a guest that was coming up and I was prepping using their book. Or Mm -hmm. if there was a book that really caught my eye, I would just set it on my nightstand and read. But it was always the very last thing on my to-do list. It was kind of my part of my wind-down routine. And I just never found myself getting to that. I was, was like 20 minutes of reading was in there. And I was just like beating myself up because it's like, ah, never crossing that out. But I'd get to like nine o'clock and I'm like, all right, like I just, I can't right now. Like I don't want to right now. And I had to let go of that one Mm -hmm. and it's been refreshing and it's allowed me to just let reading be this hobby that whenever I feel like it, if I want to spend four hours one day reading, I can spend four hours. If I go three weeks without reading at all, that's totally cool as well. Oh, I love that. Just giving yourself permission to do it when it feels good and to not stick with it when you don't have to. I had a really similar experience because I would I would have morning reading time that I would use for like my personal development reading. Mm-hmm. And then I would have evening reading time, which is when I would like read my romance novels. And reading my romance novels at night was easy because those books yeah. are fun. It's a story. I want to follow along. I could finish a romance novel in a couple of nights, but my personal development reading, pulling teeth. I mean, it was taking me like months to finish these books because I slog through maybe like two pages a day. And I did recently take that out of my morning routine as I'm just like, okay, if I'm reading, then I'm just going to read something that I really want to read when I have time to read it, but I'm not going to force myself through these pages. Another thing is I like many people had gotten into the artist's way and was doing morning pages for a while, like the three days of stream or three days. It felt like three days, three pages of stream of consciousness (laughs) journaling, but it felt like it took three days to write. And so now I'm a little bit more flexible with my journaling practice. And I write things down if I have something on my mind, not paying attention to how long it is or slogging through three pages, but really letting that go. And then also from a business standpoint, I can be a little bit of a perfectionist and I can be a little particular about how I like things. (laughs) And I do have some incredible people on my team who help me do things, whether that's creating content for social or for my community. And I would spend a lot of time like redoing their work, which I'm Mm -hmm. embarrassed to admit, like rewriting a social caption or re... And I'm not doing that anymore. I'm the work that they do is good enough. It's 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 good enough. If I'm bringing someone on my team to help, then I'm letting them help and I'm letting them do it. It's okay if it doesn't sound exactly like I would do it. That's the point of having someone else help. So those are some things that I've recently let go of to give me a little more sanity back. <laughs> I feel like you're targeting me with the last one. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, it's so hard. It it's is so hard. hard. But you're right. Like you get to a place where you just got to trust other people and or... Maybe you are just looking at it differently and what they're doing is better Mm -hmm. or just good enough too, to an extent. So Exactly. Mm. What did you mean when you said be hard to manipulate? I I think Mm -hmm. I was following along, but I'd love to open that one up because I, I felt like there was some things to unpack there. Definitely. Yeah. So I had talked about being hard to manipulate. I think in the are your routines holding you back episode, Because I think for a lot of people, and particularly young women in their 20s, life can be really confusing because you have everyone else's voice in your head. Everyone else's opinions about 
what your relationships should be and what timeline your life should be on and what job you should have and what your family planning situation should look like and what your partner wants and what your family wants. And sometimes people suggest things because they're trying to help. And sometimes people suggest things because it serves them. They want you to do what serves them. And so with that, I was really emphasizing having a handle on what is going to serve you. And I think especially when you're in your 20s, whether that be jobs or whether that be relationships, you know, people will get you to do things that are in their best interests. And so really making sure that we're not losing sight of what is in our own best interests is really, really important, I think, especially in your 20s. Yeah, I think that's a good reminder to hammer home Mm -hmm. because especially in our 20s, we're just, we're trying to impress and make sure we don't mess anything up and kind of jump into the next level of our life. And so often that is somewhat being manipulated. And then you find yourself in a path that you don't actually really want to be on. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think about, you know, my first job out of college was just a really tough experience. It was just a tough place to work. I had some kind of toxic, you know, management and just experiences there. And a lot of it were people kind of manipulating myself and the other young, you know, new college grads that I worked with and kind of gaslighting us a little bit, even though we knew that some of those things weren't right for us. And looking back at it, I'm like, well, this is my career. I'm the person who's doing this work every day. I'm in charge of where I go next. And so if something doesn't feel right to me, I can listen to that. And I don't necessarily have to take the advice or do something or stay in a job because it's going to make someone else happy. What is it that I want to do? And that was a tough lesson because I definitely stayed in jobs that I wanted to leave a lot sooner because I was really nervous about disappointing people or this manager hired me or they really need me. So I'm going to stay here when it's like, in reality, they can find someone else. They can hire the next person and it is just fine. Yeah, I feel like you have to make a couple of transitions out of jobs mm-hmm. to finally come to that realization. I remember having that exact same experience. My first internship actually led to my full-time job and I ended up working at this organization for seven years. And I just had a pit in my stomach for the longest time yep. leaving that company. And and it, no shame to them. Honestly, I was it was fine. Mm-hmm. It was just fine though. Like that was yeah. my problem, I think. I was just a little bored, a little anxious, a little excited to try something else. But I was having this guilt Mm -hmm. built up in me of not getting courage to want to leave. And then I was kind of like suppressing that with, okay, well, they need me and I can't leave there. It was a bit of a whirlwind for me Mm -hmm. at that stage. But then you realize you, at the end of the day, need to make some of the decisions for yourself and what's best for you. Of course, you can consider and think about other people, but you're the only one that's got to guide your own career. And if you're continuing to let other people manipulate that path, then you're going to find yourself in your 30s, 40s, 50s being very disappointed how how you spent that time. Exactly. Exactly. Les, as we're winding down the conversation, I do want to talk one more thread with you, which Mm -hmm. was confidence. I think this was your, the the final episode of that leveling up series, or maybe the Mm -hmm. second to last. And it it was just hitting home with me so well. And and one of the quotes that you said in there was confidence isn't a feeling, it's an action. And that confident people aren't scared to try things. And they aren't scared to try things in front of other people too. So taking a step back, let's let's unpack this, because I think so many of us do think confidence is is a feeling, something that Mm -hmm. we have to like internalize and have. But you're just saying it's just an action. Yeah, exactly. I think we often wait to feel confident to do the things that we want to do or to take the actions we want to take. We say, okay, when I feel confident enough, I'm going to start my podcast or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. When in reality, it's the other way around. You do the thing and then the confidence comes. And so if we're constantly waiting to feel confident before we take the action to do the things we want to do, we're never going to do it because that feeling can't come before you act. Which I think is another really great case for the small business nine to five combo because mm-hmm. having your own business and being in charge of those decisions, good or bad, does force you into situations where you have to take action and build confidence. Yep. 
you know, negotiating pay rates with your, your clients or sticking up for yourself with a vendor that you have or all these little micro moments that you get the option and the opportunity to take action and therefore build some of the confidence. But I also love the two tangibles that you gave around the confidence account, Mm -hmm. around making deposits there. Can you talk to me a little bit more about what a confidence account is and how you can make deposits into them? Yeah, definitely. So I think a lot of us tend to think that confidence is something that some people just have and other people just don't. We just describe, oh, that person is really confident. An example I used in the episode is like, Beyonce is so confident and she's just confident because she's Beyonce. And I'm like, no, Beyonce is confident because she rehearses for like 18 hours a day and has put in a lot of work to be as good at her job as she is. That is where the confidence comes from, not just because she's, you know, Beyonce. I mean, as great as she is, it's it's her work ethic that makes her confident. And so I like to think of the actions that we take to build confidence as deposits into our confidence bank account. So instead of seeing confidence as a trait that you either have or you don't have, like we all have the capacity for a confidence bank account within us and the actions we take can either deposit, so help us feel more confident, or they can withdraw and they can make us feel less confident. And so I think Mm -hmm. being really reflective about how we are acting and moving and speaking and thinking, okay, is this depositing into my confidence account or is this, you know, withdrawing and making sure that we've got more deposits than withdrawals is really important in helping us build confidence. And I love how this is mostly centered around you and the actions that you take and kind of this, you have to make the deposits, Mm -hmm. but also you, you brought up something called a brag file, Mm -hmm. which can help you gain some momentum to actually take some of these actions. What did you mean by a brag file? Yeah, brag file is something I started doing from the beginning of my time in corporate America. So it's anytime I get positive feedback or kudos or a good performance review, I save them specifically to my brag file. I have one, you know, at work for that type of stuff. I have one on my own. Anytime someone says, I love this episode of the podcast or thank you for sharing this, I screenshot it and I save it to a specific folder. And if I'm feeling like a little down, I'm kind of doubting myself, I'll go back and I'll review that folder of like, oh yeah, this is the amazing impact that what I'm doing is having. And I think that when you especially do that professionally, so I highly recommend everybody do this at work. That's also really helpful to have receipts so that if you're applying for a new job and you're preparing for an interview and you're trying to talk to your skills, you have evidence right there of what your peers and management say about you. If you want to put yourself up for a promotion, you have those receipts of here's all the great things I've done over the last six months. It really, really helps you just make the case for, you know, why you deserve good things. So it's good to have that evidence. I swear. I, I, we talked about you being my my older sister too. And I see so much of my own self in you at work. I have a, a kudos file mm-hmm. where I, it could be emails, it could be IMs, yep. it could be performance reviews. I save all of those into what I call kudos. Mm-hmm. And I pull those out whenever, especially when I'm making an ask for a raise yep. or as you mentioned, maybe transitioning to a different role. And then on the personal side, I call it my rainy day folder. Mm, love that. Similar to to whenever you're just down in the dumps or you're just having an off day and you just need to put a smile on your face, mm-hmm. I'll go into my rainy day folder. And it, you're right, it's the the people that send you the Instagram DMs or sent you a text, hey, yeah. I really resonated with this or thank you so much for making this episode. That's exactly what I needed right now. Yeah. And now I have like so many in that file. Mm-hmm. I was actually just looking at it the other day and I was just like, oh my gosh, like I just need to to open this up at least once a week to like pat myself on the back a little bit and remind myself like there is some reason behind all of this and you're doing a great job. It's okay, Justin. Exactly. Exactly. And look at the amazing impact that you're having on other people. It's amazing perspective. Yeah. So Les, once again, you are the host and creator of Balanced Black Girl. I would love it if you told the audience a little bit about what they can expect if they went over to your your podcast right now, hit the follow button and, and gave a listen, especially those April 2023 episodes around yes. leveling up. But I know you have tons of amazing content out there. Tell me a little bit about what you got cooking over there. Thank you so much. Well, I'm so glad that you enjoyed the series. I enjoyed making it. And so I'm just so happy to hear that it was helpful. So Balanced Black Girl is my wellness and lifestyle podcast. I do a mix of solo episodes and then I do interviews with Black women wellness experts. We talk about everything from health, wellness, leveling up, 
living your best life, personal finance. It's really a resource there for you to learn from amazing guests and my own perspectives, just the things that you can do to feel your best. So I come out with new episodes every Tuesday. Every month we have a different theme of what our episodes are all about. So I would love to see all over there. Less my final question for you. If you had the opportunity to teach a 16-week class to a group of graduating college seniors mm. on a topic that isn't normally covered in the classroom, what would you teach and how would you teach it? Ooh, love this question. I would teach them how to not be afraid to try. And the format would be like every week someone would need to, everyone would need to try to do things that they are afraid to do. And they would need to overcome that fear in real time. It's <laughs> a class that I wish I had at that age. That's so scary. So scary. Like, they could pick anything, like go karaoke that night. Right. Or... And it's all things that are not real danger because our brains will trick us into thinking that doing karaoke is the scariest thing ever. And it's like, you're not being chased by a bear. You're doing karaoke <laughs> for one song. It's fine. And I, I think doing those things that we're kind of afraid to do and surviving them are probably some of the most like beneficial confidence deposits you could make. Any ideas on how you would motivate the students to take action on whatever their challenge was for the week? Probably by modeling some of the scary things that I've done or doing scary things right along with them. Mm, that's a great idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you have to walk out there and like go ask somebody out or something. Mm -hmm. that would be, yeah. <laughs> that'd right. be wild. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, Les, such a pleasure. Thanks so much for spending some time with us on The Struggle is Real. I had a blast getting to research you and listening to the show. I now have a new favorite podcast. I get the binge. <laughs> Got to start working through 2022 episodes right now, but I really appreciate it. And you're welcome back anytime. Thank you so much. I loved this conversation. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening to the episode. As always, I appreciate your kind words. If you want to leave us a rating and review on your podcast player right now, that would absolutely make my day. If you want to find episode show notes, our blog, and other great resources, head over to tsirpodcast.com. If you have follow-up questions, an idea for a future episode, or just want to say hi, we have a contact form on our website and those messages go straight into my inbox and I promise you, I will reply. But all right, guys, I really appreciate you tuning in. I love you all and you're not alone. Let's keep making it through our struggles together. Mm-hmm.